please be advised that this episode contains descriptions of terrorism, death, and injury. What we found at the scene was chaotic. People were running helter-skelter, hiding under the vehicles. So many explosives and smoke. People were crying, making noise. Security guys were telling people, hide, hide, lie down. Westgate Shopping Mall in Nairobi, Kenya, is located in the city's upmarket and leafy Westlands neighborhood. It's a popular hangout for locals and expats alike. On any given Saturday, thousands go through its doors to check out the latest fashions, take in a movie at the cinema, or hang out at one of the trendy restaurants. You wouldn't know to look at it now, but back in 2013, this mall was also the scene of one of the most harrowing incidents that has taken place in Nairobi in modern times. What exactly occurred that day, and in the days that followed, has been the subject of much controversy. What is of little doubt is the bravery of the handful of civilians and first responders who risked everything to help those caught up in it all. I'm Donnie Dust, United States Marine Corps veteran and world-renowned survival expert. This is Rescue. Today's episode, Gunshots at the Mall. My work is simply to save lives. Stella Zakina is an emergency medical technician, or EMT, who grew up in eastern Kenya and Nairobi. Even from an early age, she knew she would have a career in the medical services. I got interested in medical field when I was still very young because my great-great-grandmother, she used to deliver babies. And then my grandmother was a nurse. My mother was a nurse. So it's something that is in the blood, but also had a passion for it. Stella joined Kenya's St. John's Ambulance in 2005. Two years later, she qualified for her dream job as an EMT. The most important thing I like in my job is just seeing someone smile after me doing some intervention on them. And then that person happened to heal. That's my, my joy of the day. On the morning of Saturday, September 21st, 2013, Stella and her teammate are in their ambulance, getting ready for another shift. Meanwhile, at the Westgate Mall, it was shaping up to be another busy day. On the rooftop parking lot, under a bright blue sky, a children's cookery competition is taking place, hosted by two well-known local radio DJs. While inside, the mall echoes with the cheerful ambiance of shoppers and families going about their day. Just before 12.30 p.m., everything changes. A silver Mitsubishi Lancer pulls into the mall's parking lot. 
four men clutching assault rifles, their faces obscured by black scarves, jump out. The men hurry toward the mall's main entrance and lob grenades at the shoppers congregated outside. In an instant, they explode with deafening wounds. The men open fire. call comes through to Stella's ambulance. The information was just uh, explosions at Westgate. With only that small snippet of information, Stella's first job is to contact the police. Normally, when there is a crime scene, first we have to confirm from the police whether we should respond or not. And then they told us, just respond. There was no clear, clear information like there is gunshots. They just said uh, there is explosion. There is smoke. That's why we decided to go and see what was happening. Elsewhere in the city, journalist Michael Koloki is at home when he gets a phone call from his girlfriend. Almost every Saturday I can remember, I used to spend my day at Westgate Mall because that is where my ex-girlfriend used to work. It was, at the time, considered the trendiest mall in Nairobi. I think many people would say that it had trendy restaurants, trendy clothing stores. And it just so happened that on that particular day, my girlfriend was attending a wedding So I decided I wouldn't go to Westgate. She called me from the wedding and told me that a colleague of hers had heard gunshot sounds at the mall. She said that the gunshots were coming from an area where there was a bank. So we thought, oh, you know, it's a bank robbery. Then she called me later and told me that the gunshots were still going on and the people at her place of work were hiding. Stella and her partner are among the first emergency services personnel to respond to the call-out. With no further information, Stella can't help but feel anxious as they make their way north toward the mall. I felt a little bit panicked because it was a crime scene and uh, because it it was an explosion. I tried to imagine how big it was. So I was just thinking about where we are going to park our ambulance, how we are going to enter into the scene. Like many emergency responders who risk their own safety to help others, Sakina is a parent. Having to manage that while focusing on the task at hand is one of the toughest parts of her job. I always think about my children because I'm a parent and I'm a mother. I normally call my family whenever I'm going to any hostile scenario so that they can know that uh, I'm going to uh, respond to a place which is not safe. I just told my daughters that I'm going to respond to an explosive scenario and I will be safe. And then I just told her that I'm doing what I love doing. 
saving lives. She should not be worried. She should just know that in case I die, I'm dying a happy soul. That's what I told her. We are hearing uh, some heavy gunfire, some screams just now. Just if you look over this uh, building right here in the direction of the mall, you can see the dark, billowing smoke uh, in the midst of these periods of intermittent gunfire. With the attack still going on and being tracked live on the news, it quickly becomes clear it isn't anything as simple as a bank robbery. I turned on the television because I thought, well, if Westgate Mall is attacked and there are gunshots going on for several minutes, this must be something big going on. I started seeing news flashes and I knew, okay, there's something going on here that is unusual. With panic spreading among the shoppers still inside the mall, many used their phones to send messages to loved ones. Harish Patel, a member of the Krishna Squad, a local neighborhood watch organization, is driving home when he receives a call. He is told that a robbery is taking place at Westgate's Nakumat supermarket. Elsewhere, local businessman Abdul Haji is in a meeting when he receives a disturbing message from his brother. This is Abdul talking to Kenya's Capital FM. It was a very short message. He just read, trapped in Westgate, think they're terrorist. Um, pray for me. Abdul, who is armed with a 9mm Seska pistol, rushed out of his meeting and jumped into his SUV. Within minutes, he arrives at the mall to find countless shoppers rushing out of the street screaming. Some are badly wounded and bleeding heavily. Abdul spots a small group of armed people huddled together nearby. Among them are Harish Patel and Corporal Nura Ali. He's one of the first police officers to arrive. By now, some Red Cross medics have also arrived and are preparing to enter the mall. And at this point I thought, okay, I'll probably do the same, I'll try and help. Just then, they hear screams coming from the upper parking lot. Abdul Haji, Harish Patel, and Corporal Ali offer to provide cover for the medics as they rush up to help. What they find there is devastating. Abdul Haji described it as looking like a war zone. It was a bunch of kids, old ladies, some very young girls, uh, some were injured and bleeding badly. Some were dead. The men find dead bodies in the corner by a marquee set up for the cookery competition. A fire has broken out due to a gas canister exploding. There are bodies poking out from under cars as well. But there are also survivors. They are quickly tended to by the Red Cross paramedics. Then, more gunshots are heard coming from inside the mall. Leaving the Red Cross workers to look after the survivors, Abdul Haji, Harish Patel, and Corporal Ali head back to the mall's entrance. The men have no idea what exactly is taking place or how many people are even involved in the attack. All they know is that there are hundreds of people in the mall who need help. So, together, 
the three men bravely make their way inside the building. Around the same time, Stella and her teammate arrive at the front entrance of the mall. What we found at the scene, it was chaotic. We were so many ambulances there. People were running helter-skelter, hiding under the vehicles. And there were so many explosives and there was a smoke. People were crying, people were making noise. Some security guys were telling people, hide, hide, lie down. It quickly becomes clear to Stella that this is a terrorist attack. Though they don't know for sure, the authorities suspect it is the work of a group called Al-Shabaab. Their full name is Harakat Al-Shabaab Al-Mujahideen, more commonly known as Al-Shabaab, and they're an Islamist militant group based in Somalia. Al-Shabaab formed out of the remains of the Islamic Courts Union, an Islamic group that came to prominence as a powerful political force in Somalia in early 2000. In 2006, Ethiopia sent in its forces into Somalia to try and bring some order. And it's during this time that Islamic Court Union leaders fled and the group was basically disbanded. However, a radical part of the Islamic courts came together and formed Al-Shabaab. A core aim of Al-Shabaab is to establish a stable Islamic state in Somalia, and it remains fiercely opposed to any outside intervention in the country. In 2011, a number of tourists were kidnapped and murdered in Kenya, close to the border with Somalia. The Kenyan government, who blamed Al-Shabaab, decided to take action. Kenya was getting an unsafe reputation in the outside world because tourism is one of Kenya's largest foreign exchange earners. So with uh, foreigners being kidnapped, the tourism sector began to be affected. So in late 2011, Kenyan forces went into Somalia in a move to repulse Al-Shabaab and ensure that they did not carry out these kidnappings anymore and basically keep them away from the Kenyan border. Al-Shabaab said that Kenya Defense Forces were in Somalia illegally. So they had started issuing threats at that point, saying that they would carry out attacks here in Kenya. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, no, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. No tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. It seemed only a matter of time before Al-Shabaab would try to take their revenge. There was word going around. There would be a likelihood of an attack at some point. It wasn't said when, where. There was a list going around on social media. Possible 
sites that could be targeted. Westgate was on, there was the University of Nairobi, amongst other locations. Outside the mall, Stella quickly takes stock of the situation. We noticed that the scene was not safe, and then we noticed that there might be so many casualties because the scene was still active. There was active shooting, explosive. Number one, when you go to a crime scene or a chaotic scene or even an accident, you have to do what we call a scene size up, whereby you check whether the scene is safe. Of course, if you are not safe, then you cannot save a life when you are not safe. We normally draw a line whereby we call the main scene the red area, and then followed by the yellow area, followed by the green area. There is a paramedic who went into the building. He was shot. Zamedic, uh, he went to the red zone. Stella makes the decision to park away from the mall entrance where it's relatively safe. There, they can help survivors without being in danger of coming under fire themselves. I was like between 200 to 300 meters from the mall. The mall was uh, very much visible from down to up. I saw the attackers with my naked eyes. I could see their movement, like going upstairs, coming down, manning the doors, manning the exits. We were just seeing, like, everything. Within seconds, Stella is overwhelmed with the number of patients, victims from the attack. Some people are just running out, some being brought by the security. There was a lady who was carrying a baby, and then some gentlemen, a group of about eight people. Those are the first people we treated. After taking the first group to the hospital, Stella and her teammate return to the mall and park up again at the same spot. We were told now we are not moving from that scene. I want to take a moment here and just highlight what an extraordinary thing that Stella is actually doing. To choose to go back into danger, to go back where people need her help while the terrorists are still on the rampage takes a whole different sort of mentality. She is the perfect example of what a hero is, someone who is willing and wanting to go back into harm's way to continue to save lives. And the same goes for Harish Patel, Corporal Ali, and Abdul Haji, and all who, without knowing anything about the level of threat they were facing, thought only about the innocent people caught up in it all. They decided that we were going to take the lead of other medics. There are only five escape routes out of the building. Without knowing if the shooters are still active, of the hundreds who were inside when the shooting started, many choose to hide rather than take their chances running for the exit. Scores of people huddled together, hiding in back rooms, under counters, and in restrooms, waiting desperately for help. Once Abdul Haji, Harish Patel, and Corporal Ali have made it inside, they quickly try to locate as many people as possible. Moving slowly and as quietly as they can, the men check behind doors and shop displays for survivors. Each time they locate anyone, the rescue squad directs them to the nearest exit, where they are then escorted out of the building by police. People already inside the mall 
also do what they can to help. Civilians on the scene who were inside the mall were actually helping the wounded people. My friend, when she was hit by the grenade chopper, was assisted by other people who were in the mall. There were people who carried her. These are just regular civilians. Get right to the breaking story of the morning. You're looking at live pictures of those massive plumes of smoke. And we have the latest on the rescue operation that's ongoing. Stella receives the survivors as they burst out of the mall. There's a lady who had, uh, they threw a grenade on her leg. And there's a, a gentleman who was shot. He had like so many gunshots on his back, on his stomach, on his head, on his arm. That one I've never forgotten. And the injured just keep coming. We had so many stampedes because people were running out and, you know, falling down, stepping on each other. Because of stampede, there's a, there are some people who had, like, fractures. There are some people who had, like, dislocations. There were so many. There were so many. By the early afternoon, a large number of police are gathered outside the mall, but have yet to coordinate a plan on how to approach the situation. Making things more complicated are the many conflicting reports about the attackers. Some eyewitnesses describe as many as 10 assailants, while others believe there are only four in the building. While the police continue to assess the situation, Abdul, Harish, and Corporal Ali continue moving through the mall, looking for survivors and directing them to safety. Hearing gunshots coming from the ground floor, they move cautiously from the second to the first floor, where they find even more survivors. At 3 p.m., Abdul, Harish, and Corporal Ali make it to the ground level. Minutes later, they come under direct fire. Abdul and Harish duck for cover, but Corporal Ali is shot in the back and falls to the ground. He is hit two more times before he manages to shelter from the gunfire. Miraculously, two police officers appear suddenly from behind and carry him away. He will survive this encounter. Abdul guesses the shooting is coming from the Nakumat supermarket at the opposite side of the mall. As he moves to a nearby pillar to get a better look, he spots four women along with two young girls and a baby. They are huddled together under a trellis table right in the middle of the mall between him and the supermarket. With more police joining them inside, Abdul quickly runs to tell them to hold fire until he can help the women and children. When he turns back, he sees a man standing in the supermarket doorway. He has a black scarf across his face and a rifle in his hand. This is Abdul talking to the BBC. He was calling me in Swahili and he was saying, Kuja, Kuja. So I took cover. Kuja, Kuja, meaning come, come to me. Abdul can hardly believe the audacity. 
a police officer throws a gas canister at the attacker and he disappears back into the supermarket. Thinking it was now or never, Abdul runs out from behind the pillar and takes cover in a pharmacy, closer to the women and children hiding under the table. There, he finds another group of terrified shoppers and staff. Abdul turns to the four women under the table and waves for them to join him, but the women are understandably hesitant. Another canister of gas is thrown and a barrage of shots are fired into the supermarket. The women and children make a break for it. This little four-year-old girl appears from the table and starts running towards us. We get her out. Then the lady uh, carrying another baby. Then another lady comes out holding another baby. Another girl comes out. We got all of them out to safety. And then finally a girl who appeared to have been shot in the leg or somewhere. She was limping. Incredibly, they all make it safely to Abdul. He quickly ushers them into the pharmacy and out of the line of fire, then directs them to the nearby emergency exit. With his eyes now stinging from the gas, Abdul heads back to the first floor to find some water. After conducting another sweep of the mall, Abdul fails to find his brother. Too exhausted to carry on, he decides it's time to leave. This is Abdul talking to CGTN Africa. I went to the toilet where I thought my brother was hiding. I called for his name. I didn't get him. I reached my phone so that I can call and find out what happened to him. And I saw a message from him saying, he's out, he's safe. And he was telling me, come out. Please come out. Abdul remained inside the mall, providing cover for any remaining shoppers until the military arrived. As the day progresses, more and more stories of extraordinary heroism start to emerge. Some of the attackers who shot and killed some people in the supermarkets began telling Muslims in the supermarket to leave. There are accounts of heroes, Muslims in the supermarkets who were trying to help non-Muslims leave the supermarket reports of some women wearing the hijab or niqal and taking it off and covering other women to try and make sure that they got out safely. Outside, Stella has been working non-stop, treating the wounded with no obvious end in sight. The feeling was still, uh, it was still draining. We were a bit scared because we knew that uh, these people might be hiding themselves. We knew that maybe anything could happen. Maybe they could change from gunshots to big explosions. We were just like, the scene was still not safe. Kenya's elite police force finally make the decision to head into the mall. They enter on the ground floor and try to locate the terrorists. Things become confused when the Kenyan military arrives soon after. Without coordinating with the police, they enter the mall from the upper floors. It is not clear exactly what happened, I should say, 
but there have been allegations that at some point in time, the elite police group pulled out as a result of a possible lack of coordination between them and the military. Accusations were later made against the military that some police officers were shot as a result of friendly fire. Police decided then to leave the scene and allow the military to take over the operation. With the terrorists seemingly holed up in the supermarket, a stalemate ensues that continues long into the night. For Stella and the other emergency workers, keeping focused on the task at hand becomes as much a psychological battle as a test of endurance. Having an EMT teammate she can talk to was a big help. We talk about it so that it can get out of our head, you know. And then you are like, you console yourself, you're like, at least I'm outside, I can see people who are alive. What about those people who are inside? They are seeing the dead bodies there. They are seeing how people are being killed. Their cases worse. So through talking, we were a bit strong, you know. For the next three days, Stella remains on site as the military and terrorists sporadically engage in firefights. The emergency response inside the mall becomes increasingly confused and chaotic. There are reports that when the attackers went into the supermarket within Westgate, some of the people there were held hostage. It is not entirely clear whether they were actually being held hostage or probably they were hiding because there were some people in the supermarket who later fled and said that, you know, they had been hiding in the supermarket and had managed to find their way out. Now, you might be wondering why it took so long for the army to confront the terrorists. One of my jobs in the military was to gather intelligence, to really help paint a picture of the environment, a situation or potential threat group. And this was done ultimately to preserve Marines' lives and civilians' lives. We call this establishing ground truth. In a situation like this, where there isn't a lot of information and everything is kind of coming at you in different waves and different forms, it can be very confusing for people on the ground. Somebody might say there's 20 terrorists, somebody might say there's 50 terrorists, and there might only be three. Everyone's interpretation of the information can greatly skew the overall picture. They might know the layout of the mall, but they don't know if there's somebody still sitting inside with countless rounds of ammo, suicide vests, IEDs, or anything to that extent. There could be hostages too, being held at gunpoint. If the information isn't as clear as possible and accurate as possible, it can seriously hold up the process of confronting the terrorists. Throughout it all, Stella remains committed to the task at hand. We rarely slept. Imagining that there is an explosion just close to you, like 200, 300 meters away from you, and these people who are being injured, they depend on you. We could not even sleep for all those days. On Monday, September 23rd, three days after the attack began, it's declared by a government interior minister that three of the Al-Shabaab terrorists have been killed and 10 soldiers wounded in their efforts to end the attack. Over the course of the next 24 hours, a fire breaks out. Though it has never been confirmed, 
Some suggest the military fired a rocket-propelled grenade at the back of the mall, causing the partial collapse of the building. The Nakumat supermarket is crushed under the rubble from the rooftop parking lot as the floors pancake in on themselves. The terrorists, who are thought to be hiding in the supermarket at the time, are presumed killed. A short time later, the government declares the siege over. It was uh, on the fourth day. It was around uh, 5 p.m. in the evening. That's when it was called off that they finished the operation. When I left the scene, I felt uh, emotionally drained, exhausted, physically exhausted, and... uh, I was very tired, yeah. That's what I felt. And I was also, I won't lie, I was also traumatized after leaving the scene. I went home and I took some, some days off and, yeah. Statistics indicate that there were a total of 71 deaths and that included 62 civilians, five Kenyan soldiers and four of the assailants. Approximately 200 people were wounded during the incident. In the days that follow, the government, media, and emergency services try to unravel exactly what happened. Both the police and military come under heavy criticism for their confused response to the attack. Nothing, however, will take away from the extraordinary efforts and bravery of those like Abdul Haji, Harish Patel, Corporal Nura Ali, and Stella, who did everything they could to help that day. Yeah, I feel good. I feel good. Saving life is something that makes me feel so rejuvenated. We saved so many people, and it really made me so happy. The first day we saved more than 60 people. But uh, if you give a total number, I mean, until the fourth day, there could be more than a hundred. Today, the assault on the Westgate Mall remains one of the worst terror attacks in modern Kenyan history. It left an indelible mark on the city and all who were part of it. That day, it had an impact. This was too much for me. It was a big impact, but uh, I healed, I'm okay. You've been listening to Rescue with Donnie Dust. Rescue is a Sony Music Entertainment production. Thanks to all the contributors for sharing their story with us. Rescue is produced by Richard McLean Smith. The executive producer is Louisa Field. The junior producer, is Martha Miller. Scoring and sound design by Gulliver Tickle. Music composed by Eleni Hassabas. The production coordinator is Lily Hambly. The production manager is Kat Moran. Thanks to Ellie Lazaridis for additional production support. Thanks to Jez Nelson, Chris Skinner, and Julia Stevenson. If you like this podcast, then do check out other Sony podcasts.